All right, guys, welcome back. This is the Victory Lab Podcast. It's been a while since me and Nick have had a chance to talk about things, uh, especially since summer break has started and it's about, you know, halfway through it right now. Um, the first half of the season is over. And so that's what we're basically going to do today is just dissect, you know, what has happened in this first half of the F1 season, you know, where teams, what kind of upgrades have they made so far? Um, what trends have we been seeing before the summer break as a result of those upgrades? And just, you know, kind of a, a slight little outlook on going forward. So, with yeah, Nick, did you want to say anything for it with being back or? No, let's dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> let's dive right in. Let's dive right in. Okay, so starting off with the first, you know, race of the season in Bahrain, um, obviously Red Bull took that and there were some issues with Ferrari. But yeah, I mean, this was kind of a telltale of what was going to happen the rest of the season. Red Bull just dominated um, and they didn't have any issues like they started the previous season with both the cars, I believe, with DNFs, right? Yep. In 2021 or 22. So I think that was the first two races too. So yeah, yeah. So it was just, um, it was a, kind of a telltale, like I said, of how the season was going to start. And it was also a little insight on Aston Martin. You know, remember mm-hmm. Fernando was really overtaking not only the Ferraris, but the Mercedes as well. We got a little Hamilton and Fernando uh, battle to kind of start the season, which is cool. But, um, you know, that's a team that has, as of late, kind of cooled off. So it's yeah. kind of surprising to see, you know, they came onto the scene in the first one, and then it was like, whoa, where did they kind of go with these last, you know, three, four or five races? Um, but yeah, I mean, were there any other things that you really kind of took away from, from the first race? No, that sums it up pretty well. and. Uh, I guess to jump ahead from here, we do see Fernando on the podium for the first three races. So that was a great start for them. And they have dropped off quite a bit since the about halfway through the first half of the season, I would say, um, with only one podium in Canada at the later points. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, we have felt this way about Lance Stroll not being kind of the guy in the position for Aston Martin to be that number two driver, but because his dad owns the team, it's, it's yeah. a little bit different. I will say though, that he has been a bit impressive so far this season with some great races. Um, and he has gotten the team points, which I don't know how many he got for them last year, but at least he it's is fair. carrying some of his weight. I mean, when you're looking at that team, you are expecting Alonzo to really be the guy on the podium. Um, especially with the other teams that you're up against being Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari. I don't know how many, how much we could really expect from Lance, but he has been in the points a few times, so that is good for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to, to Saudi Arabia, uh, what do we see at, you know, in Jeddah? There was, again, Red Bull domination, but besides that, Fernando still starting the season off hot. Mercedes had a back-to-back 4-5 finish in that race, and then it was a 6-7 by Ferrari, so after, a, you know, a struggle in week, uh, or not week one, but, you know, race one for Ferrari, uh, they followed that up with a 6-7. It was just kind of like, all right, like where did this car that we had last year go? Yeah. It was uh, kind of concerning to see, you know, the technical issues in race one. But then to have the performance drop off, too, was a little bit concerning. Um, and, yeah, and you kind of get the structure of, you know, Alpine after that, dot, dot, at 8 and 9 with Akon and Gasly. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like, why are we in the same kind of, realm as these like midfield teams and not trying to fight with Red Bull. It really spoke to Red Bull's dominance too of just how much more step they had above everybody else. And even Mercedes too. I mean, 
both George and Lewis were out racing, both Ferrari drivers, quite a bit at the start of the season. And I mean, they picked it up a little bit now, but Mercedes is still quite ahead of them. And their car is still very, I would say, very arguably <coughs> ahead of the Ferrari car as of this point. Yeah, I mean, we were saying like before, like they've been the most consistent team outside of Red Bull. Like, and that, you know, they don't have everything figured out yet. So once they yeah. kind of do get it together, once they do start getting in the right factory, you know, parts, because I know they've got like that little bit of a debate and, you know, debacle with Aston Martin and them sharing, you know, the same facilities to make the parts. Who's the better team? Who's going to get the better parts? And that's something that they've been fighting for, especially in this last, you know, back half of, of the first half of the season, you know, the four or five races before the summer break. They were definitely making their case in point to say like, hey, we're better than Aston Martin. Like we were just saying, they kind of fell off the yeah. last four or five races. So, yeah, I mean, I think that poses a question for like, you know, looking even forward to next season, because I don't think this season they'll be able to touch Red Bull no. uh, as far as performance goes. But consistency wise, I think that, you know, if they just pair that and then figure out the right performance upgrades, they could be a real contender to Max Verstappen and trying to you know, triple or three P um, for the first time since Lewis. Yeah. Um, and, and it's crazy to think, you know, Lewis won like what, six or seven out of eight years. Right. And now Max is kind of having his little time, but yeah, I mean, I think that that could be extremely interesting heading into next season. Yeah. And as we'll get into later, uh, their car is not going to be fully ready by the end of this season at all, just due to the budget caps and stuff. So, I think next season is where they're really going to come out of the gates and there's no catching Red Bull really at this point. Um, so I think everybody's really focusing on the next season as of now and fighting for that second, third place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just weird how that also just, you know, changes the whole dynamic on how much resources they'll have in the off season to make upgrades and, and such based on where they do finish this season. So I wonder if that plays any strategy into kind of how these teams play the summer break, you know, are they going to spend a lot of resources and try and really try and pop up the standings or are they just going to sit back and be like, let's just kind of ride this out, see what other data we can get and me more confirm or confirm more of like yeah. what we think is going to be the answer going to next season. Uh, so yeah. And then in Australia, third race of the year, um, Lewis, I believe, was this the one that had like the weird, yeah, all these DNFs? Yeah, this was a funky race. Oh my God, I remember this one. I was just so mad that they even had the restart because it was like three restarts, wasn't there? Yeah. And it was super dangerous, um, especially, you know, the speed that they had kept on the track. I believe it was last year they made modifications to one of the chicanes that, you know, kept a lot of the speed around the turns. And yeah, I mean, just starting, restarting this race three times, it wasn't the smartest thing to do, in my opinion, especially for one lap at the end. Like, what is that about? <laughs> yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, this was the race with the rain, right? And I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was rain, actually. Oh. I, maybe at one point, but I know towards the end it wasn't. Oh, right. So... It could have just been, it was just a dangerous race. You know, that first yeah. turn two, turn three, you make it through there, you're okay. But since there were so many restarts, you drivers start getting greedy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And yeah, there's the, the, the piece, the, the places are there to take. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I took away from this is that not much. 
I mean, Aston Martin was up there at three and four. That was another, you know, strong race for yeah, them at the beginning. Yeah, for that for points. Um, Ferrari didn't even, I don't even think they had any cars finish. I think, oh, Carlos Sainz Carlos had that stupid penalty. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, I could have sworn we were in there. And then, yeah. So no points for that race. Yeah, that was yeah. that was stupid because that happened on the last lap of the restart. Yeah. So yeah, he got docked with a stupid penalty that sent him all the way from fourth to twelfth because all the cars were so bunched up. So that was that was honestly one of the most unfair penalties I think I've seen in the two years that I've been watching Formula One. You know, given the circumstances, right? Yeah. Um, but just in general, it's kind of like a. Um, I don't remember the specifics of it, but I remember thinking like, I feel like they should just let that one slide. No matter, yeah. No matter the circumstances. Even. Yeah. But yeah, moving on to Azerbaijan, uh, Baku was huge for Ferrari. Uh, this was arguably their best race of the year and it did include a sprint and they were able to win both despite Red Bull's dominance so far precluding, uh, you know, the first three races and, you know, just what they have shown the the lap gap. Um, and all that, right? But they, they end up still winning this race, okay? Because they're supposed to. But yeah, Charles and Carlos Sainz finishing third and fifth. And like I said, Charles getting pole and first in the sprint was extremely impressive. I thought it was something that, you know, Ferrari could have then built off of, but then didn't. You know, they followed that up with 16 points in Miami, 12 points in Monaco, 10 points in Spain. And it's like, okay, that's just as many points as you just gained in one weekend at, in Baku. So, after a very slow start, I thought this was a sign to say, okay, maybe we've got some momentum moving forward. And it just was not the case. Um, and Ferrari consistently qualifies well. They're good in the qualifying, but they can't seem to keep it up for an entire race. Yeah, a lot which, of mechanical issues or yeah. tire issues, pit stops. So the sprint does help them being able to not only qualify well, but also get some points from that. Mm -hmm. And come out starting stronger because the sprint is more than just qualifying so i feel like when you do well in that you you have higher team woes for that weekend and i know i did bring up pit stops but they have been better this year yeah they have been a lot better with the discipline and stuff i hope so i think they <laughs> train like a hundred pit stops a day or something they, they did a lot they did a lot um i mean for right for the right reasons but it has been paying off i will say yeah. it has been paying off um, moving on to Miami, first race in the United States of the season. Um, this one, it was cool seeing Fernando be on, be on the podium again, you know, continuing that strong start for Aston Martin, but just being in a, in a, such an international city like Miami, uh, and just saying that from like an American perspective, yeah. right? Uh, it was cool to see Alonzo up there and for the fans, especially being a longer veteran as well as Perez, man. Yeah, uh, it was super dope. I really thought Carlos might have had a shot at being up there, especially after, you know, a strong performance in Baku and then, you know, him getting kind of stolen on, in Australia. I was like, you know, this could be the third race in a row where he's, you know, showing he could be really, really competent. Yeah. Um, and he finished it fifth, uh, two places above Charles, actually. So he did have a better race. But yeah, I mean, were there any other takeaways that you had from Miami? No, I mean, you've got George Russell at four and Lewis at six. So once again, Mercedes is keeping up that consistency. And I mean, just to mention Alpine, they're eight and nine in this race, but they've been just kind of 
They've been pretty consistent, but they've been consistently sitting at the bottom. Yeah, points, which, the bottom feeder. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like I was expecting a little bit more from them this season um, with the hype around the car from last season and the driver duo. The driver duo, exactly. Um, but yeah, they've just been kind of consistently sitting around the bottom of the points, and we see that again from them. So. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. Nothing's really changed with Alpine. I, and I agree with you. You know, there was a lot of hype, you know, where people thought they could be the best of the rest, um, considering, you know, we didn't think S. Martin was going to make the jump that they did, uh, as well as, you know, Ferrari not falling off as much as they did yeah. so far up until this, up into this point. I just want to see them creeping into, like, the five and the six a little bit more. Yeah, consistently. Not just be hanging around at, like, eight, nine, ten. Mm -hmm. even 11 12 but you know at least they're getting points and they're getting something to their name right now yeah they're they're the competent midfield team yes you, you could you could argue you could argue um the sixth race was canceled the emilia romana grand prix and that was because of the flash floods yep. and the rainstorms that were happening in italy at the time which uh as far as i know that they've all been recovered i hopefully think all, okay now. yeah all the communities so. hopefully um, but yeah, that was a, a terrible time. Uh, that was like almost what, like April? Yeah, it was a while. Ago. Something like that. Yeah, so it was it was a bad time for Italy. Hopefully, for, the summer warmed it up. They got yeah fixed up. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, that that race was canceled due to weather and the uh, the conditions. Moving on to Monaco. Uh, so now the sixth race of the season, yeah. the seventh technical race. Uh, this was one hell of a performance by Esteban Ocon, yep. uh, finishing on the podium in Monaco, I believe for the first time in his career. And like you said, you know, you want to see Alpine at this moment in time, mm -hmm. kind of start grabbing that fifth, sixth spot and being a little bit more consistent than just the bottom feeder of, you know, the points every weekend. And even Pierre here beat out Carlos at seven and eight. So even him beating out a Ferrari, I think that is great. Even though it's Monaco is a little bit harder to pass and things are more set in stone. It's at least great that they get about each other and he gets to um, get in front of a Ferrari and build up that confidence there. Yeah, 100%. And and the other thing too, I believe with what happened to Ferrari in this race, I could have sworn there may have been a pit stop error. Just one, so. just one. It's like a vague memory. Me just kind of trying to remember they right now. They've got a Monaco curse. So they do. Guess that. They do. And and it's, you know, that's where Charles is from. But it's like, damn it, man. Like, that's your home race and you can't even show up there. Like, yeah. it's just kind of sad. But at least Charles finished and he got six, which is all right. But at least he finished this year. And I believe this was also, uh, I don't know if it was Oscar Piastri's first points of the season, but him scoring points and Lando Norris scoring points in this race yeah, was here. It's creeping in here. This is, um, and we'll get more into it. Uh, the McLaren comeback, but this is where I think they start to creep in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they had 12 points in Australia, which was a great weekend for Piastri being home, right? But uh, two points in Azerbaijan and then three points at Monaco. Those are the only races they scored points in. So Monaco was definitely a bright spot for this first kind of half of the half. Yeah. So first quarter of the first season. Quarter. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, as, as per usual, you know, Max Verstappen. Of course. You know, what What else? Who else would be winning these races? Not Sergio Perez. Dare he? No. Dare he? They got one win at the start of the season. I think they might have. They, they shut him down. Slapped him. 
Max started, he had his, you know, hair and he was just like, Sergio, like Sergio, like, you know, he does that with his hair. He just pushes off to the side. He's got his hat on, his flat <laughs> bill hat on. He's just like, well, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. His dad is absolutely losing his shit in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, moving on to Spain. This was a huge race for Mercedes. They got two spots on the podium, second and third with Lewis and George Russell. This was kind of the race I felt like Mercedes found their speed. And I, if I remember correctly, I think that they had an upgrade around this time. Uh, it really helped them gain that kind of, whoa, like we have not seen this you know, speed from you. The consistency, yes, but to have both the drivers be up there. And I believe George was on pole in this race. I could be wrong about that, but I know something had happened uh, and maybe he got kind of set back behind Lewis and it was just kind of like, okay, well, will Lewis back off? Will George kind of take back over where he was? Because he was ahead earlier in the race. But two and three for them, this was a huge race for Mercedes. Yeah. And yeah, they they upgraded their side pods for front suspension at Monaco right before then. So uh, this was definitely the race that we saw that car really take off. Yeah. Yeah. And in this one, you know, Aston Martin, six and seven, not terrible. But behind a Ferrari, yeah, behind both Mercedes, so it's kind of starting to see like, all right, SMR, you're starting to drop off here. Yeah, a little bit of uh, vulnerability. I believe that was the lowest points score. Yeah, lowest points they've scored all season was in Spain, at that moment in time. So yeah, that was not a great race whatsoever for SMR, and it kind of started a little bit of their downturn. Um, let's see here. Canada is next. All right. Yeah, Canada here, three different teams in the top three for the podium. Uh, and I think you could agree, this was maybe one of those podiums that was like, this is an all-time great type of podium. Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, all greats. And uh, basically what happened, you know, I think this happened may have one other time uh, in the season where all three of these were on the podium. And it was just cool to see, you know, having a moment where these three influential drivers, three great drivers mm -hmm. all in their own rights, be on the podium, share that moment, share the champagne. It, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and you've also got an upgrade package from Aston Martin here, which I think definitely helped their car there, as we saw um, doing kind of the same thing that Mercedes did um, that same trajectory, you know, they went with the modified floor and they were looking to increase their downforce there, yeah. which is definitely something that they needed, um, to really keep up the speed on all of those turns and, and really just compete with Red Bull and Mercedes, even Ferrari, who have always been known for having a high, uh, downforce and, uh, rate of speed throughout the turns. Yeah, I was gonna to say too, you know, this I think was also the race where Sergio Perez kind of started taking that little bit of a, hey, you know, a little bit of a back uh, backswing from his performance at the beginning of the season. I don't know if it was Max Verstappen in his ear or Joe Verstappen or who, but someone was in his ear and he just was not qualifying at all like he used to. Um, and it was, you know, not helping him in the races. Finishing P6 here with that car, I believe he started, uh, let's see here, starting grid of the race, Red Bull. Yeah, Sergio Perez started 12th. So he managed to get up from 12th to 6th, 
But it started this kind of consistent turn of bad qualifying after bad qualifying that kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say like alerted Red Bull, but it was different than we had been seeing. Yeah. And I mean, he also had some unlucky instances there, but I think it definitely hurt him and his spirits, especially um, with the talks of Daniel Ricardo coming back onto the grid in the future. Um, is that getting in his head there too, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Was he thinking about his spot on the grid and how he's been qualifying and finishing the races? Because he did kind of have a little bit of a drop off for a few races where he wasn't quite up as in points as he should have been. Yeah, and Ferrari did have a good race here as well, finishing, I believe, fourth mm -hmm. and fifth in this race. Now, they doubled that back up with the Austrian Grand Prix being their second best performance of the year. Uh, 32 points in this race. This was a race where Charles Leclerc finished second, five seconds behind Max Verstappen, and Carlos Sainz was P6. So this was, like I said, 32 points, the second highest total for them all season. I thought this was another one of those great kind of one-off performances that they couldn't double back down with consistency. Mm -hmm. For sure. And here you have Lando up at fourth, which I think was quite exciting for the McLaren fans. Um, I don't know if they've been up that high quite yet, but um, McLaren really starts to pick up their pace towards the back half of the season. And this could be the start of that. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, up until that point, they had scored no points for two straight consecutive race weekends. And Lando Norris pulls up a little 12-pointer uh, coming in P4. I believe it's 12 points for P4, right? Yep, 12 points. So he scored all the points that weekend for the team. And then that's kind of where they start to gain their momentum, like you said, you know. Great Britain's next, Hungary, Belgium. We'll get into those races, but those are the best races all season for McLaren. Yep. And I mean, going right to the British Grand Prix, uh, excuse me, Grand Prix. Now we have Norris at number two. So he's not only on the podium, he's in second place, beating out Lewis Hamilton. And then we have Oscar Piastri yes. four. So that was a huge weekend for McLaren. Huge. And I think everybody got quite excited over that. And um, they did run with new floor upgrades. I'm not sure exactly when those came in, but I think that it must have been around one of these weekends because that car was seemingly performing quite a bit better um, around this time. It seemed like they had almost gotten the speed that Mercedes had gotten earlier in the first quarter yeah, of the season. It looked like a whole new car. Yeah, it, it just looked like it was flying. It was able to have that traction around these turns and they were able to make overtakes. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just hard, man. Like you can get a car to go fast, but you go, if you can get a car that can take over other cars, like that, that needs to be said for, they found some trick up their sleeve. Yeah. So yeah, whatever, you know, whether it was the floor or whatever it was, it worked. And I'm sure this is probably the happiest Lando Norris has been in the last couple of years at McLaren. Yeah, for sure. By far. And once again, you have Sergio Perez qualifying at 15th and then finishing at 6th. So another bad qualifying, but a good performance in the race, getting up well into the points for how far back he started. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Hungary, and this is the second to last race before the spring, or excuse me, summer break. Again, Lando Norris, P2, behind Max Verstappen, who else? Um, and Oscar Piastri, P5. So they doubled that down with another great weekend, 28 points for McLaren. 
and that speed just didn't go away whatsoever. No other teams were able to make a, you know any adjustments in the time being between. But yeah, Ferrari, the last two races had really struggled. Nine and 10 in Great Britain and eight and nine, I believe. No, seven and eight in, in Hungary. Um, just kind of doubling back down on that inconsistency where they just were up either competing for a win one weekend and then the next were not. Yeah. And now you've got Aston Martin at 9 and 10. So I think at this point, everybody's kind of wondering what happened to them. Um, they've had a rough couple of races, not really finishing great. Um, but you've got McLaren and Mercedes clearly battling it out up with the Red Bulls even. For the podiums. For the podiums and for those higher point spots at the 4, 5, 6. Yeah, and this is, you know, at this point in time, McLaren's fifth in the constructors' standings. Uh, and, and Ferrari's fourth. Ashton Martin's kind of been falling back like we've been saying. But Ferrari, McLaren, uh, let me see. Do you have it pulled up right here with where, where everyone's at? Yeah, the instructor. Yeah, well, Ferrari's only five points behind Ashton Martin now. Um, and, I mean, we haven't been seeing anything crazy from Ferrari, but at this, if they, this consistency keeps going on, Ferrari will probably pass them at the next race. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too, is that, you know, I still think Ferrari's car is better than Aston Martin's. Yeah. Um, they've, they have the better duo of drivers, no doubt. Um, even though Fernando, you could argue, might be the best of all four. Yeah. But yeah, I think that Ferrari's car didn't just go anywhere. And mm -hmm. I think they're still trying to kind of figure it out. They've got the new team principal in Vassar. Yeah. It's just kind of one of those feeling out seasons. And yeah, I, I think that with Asimar and starting to take more of a downturn, that's going to trouble them in the back half of the season. Uh, and I could also make the case too, you know, McLaren, yeah. they're, they're what, about 100 points behind Ferrari? Yeah, a little bit less in the um, 90s, high 90s. But, okay. um, you know, with the rate that they've been going at, I mean, there's still half of the season left. If they keep it up, getting threes, fours, twos, yeah. um, you know, they've got one driver on the podium, one driver at four, five, six um, consistently for these last few races. Um, and if Ferrari is still down further at like the seven, eight, nine, some of these races, they could catch up and they could also catch up to uh, Aston Martin if they stay how they are right now. Yeah, I, I think honestly, you know, and let's get into this last race real quick, uh, Belgium, where Charles Leclerc, you know, had a little fight in him yeah. right before the break. That Ferrari scores 24 points, the most they've scored since Austria um, earlier that month, July 2nd to July 30th. So it had been a month's time since they really had a great performance at a Grand Prix um, right before the summer break, kind of giving some hope, right? But Red Bull won two per usual. Uh, Alonso showing some fight as well for Aston Martin, finishing fifth. Lewis at fourth with Mercedes and George at sixth with Mercedes. And you know, Lando is at seven here. So McLaren, after you know yeah. a couple hot races, they kind of fall back. But I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily a bad performance by McLaren. You've got Carlos and Oscar both DNFing. And I mean, they've all put up an absolute fight from everybody from Mercedes, but mostly McLaren and Ferrari, I feel like we're fighting the hardest here. And, you know, there was a couple battles with, um, I think it was Oscar and Carlos um, pushing into each other. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, I think that was just an interesting race. Um, and there's a little bit of bumping and so yeah, just like some more physical racing. Yeah, a little bit yeah. more aggressive. Yeah, and, and just basically what I was going to say, you know, before we just you know kind of touched on Belgium right there, was that I think Aston Martin is still going to be, you know, competent in the points with Fernando at least. Yeah, for sure. Now, if their car does keep on this, this trend down, you know, in performance comparatively to McLaren, Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull, that's only leaving, you know, two spots left for points, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say that they still are competitive and they're fighting maybe that five to eight range, but it's more just Fernando more so than it is Lance Stroll. Yeah. I think that's what ultimately lands them, maybe costing them you know, top of the midfield. I, I don't think they're going to, they could fall past four, but I think it's more likely that they stay at four. Ferrari thinks it's going to take that step into three, but they're not going to challenge Mercedes because they're still going to be too inconsistent enough. Yeah. To, to not, uh, you know, to overcome, what, let's see here, almost 50 points or so. Yeah, and still, unlike Aston Martin, I mean, the Mercedes driver duo is arguably better than Ferrari's overall. I mean, George Russell's been absolutely phenomenal these last two seasons, and it's still Lewis Hamilton, of course. So... That's really a bit of a toss-up, I think, as well, with those two driver duels. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. If you are you saying just, like, the Mercedes versus the Ferraris? Yeah. I mean, I, I, at this point in time, I would still take the Mercedes 100%. Yeah. Uh, because George is uh, you know, the brightest young prospect, I think, in Formula 1 at this moment in time. Everybody loves Lando and Charles. and I mean, Max is still young as hell, but I'm saying the people that haven't won... I think that George is the next most likely to becoming a champion. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously, with Lando, you know, showing what he's made of within a competent car, gives me a little cause for pause. But yeah, at this moment in time, I would still take Mercedes over Ferrari, and that's no disrespect to Charles or Carlos because they're great drivers, and I consider Charles someone that can win a championship. Now he has to still mature a little bit into that, and the consistency has to be there. But McLaren, I think, can really pull together a strong back half of this performance, uh, or back half performance of the season. And that's why I think Aston Martin might be at, at odds of being the top of the midfield. Yeah. I think that McLaren, I really, I really like what I saw in the last three, three, four races. So if that happens, that would be a crazy turnaround. And I think that they would enter next season as, okay, what's the next step? Yeah. And that pressure might make them fold. For sure. And, I mean, it's going to be really interesting coming out of summer break because I bet a lot of these teams are going to come out with a new upgrade package. So I think that also really is going to be a big factor um, with Aston Martin, McLaren, Ferrari, even Mercedes um, who I think Mercedes probably has the next best car after Red Bull. Um, but even if they come out with an upgrade package, they could still improve pretty well. But I do think that's going to be the big deciding factor between those other three teams is what they can improve on and come out with at the next race after, what, three, four weeks of summer break? Yeah. How can they improve the car to be better? in their weak spots and be better than their competitors. Yeah, I was gonna to say too, you know, just something looking for, because we're, we're, you know, talking how these teams are gonna finish the season on top of enter kind of next year. 
I want to talk about AlphaTauri because they're the 10th team in this constructor's standings on the grid. And there's been rumors and reports that they are going to run the RB19, which is the current model of the Red Bull car, next year as their car two cars for the grid. Now, Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Tsunoda in those cars, where do you think they would stack up against uh, improved Mercedes and improved Ferrari and improved McLaren and improved Aston Martin after you know the rest of this season and winter development stages? I think that they could be a contender for um, maybe the third spot on the grid, maybe even two. I mean, you, you've still got Daniel Ricciardo who's been practicing in that Red Bull car for the rest of the season before he switched over to AlphaTauri. So he's got that experience there. In the sim, yeah. Um, yeah. And on track too, and on track yeah, too. he's got a couple on tracks. I mean, he doesn't have as much experience as every other driver has in their car, but I mean, it's such an insane car. It is and just ins- Yeah, you're thinking of starting them with that. <laughs> they can make as many upgrades as well within the budget. They can make as many upgrades as they need or want for those two drivers. I mean, they're really going to have a tool belt to work with. Have you yeah. ever thought about like this? You know, they're together in this, right? As a sister-brother company, right? Yeah. Red Bull and AlphaTauri. Red Bull's clearing away the best team right now. Mm-hmm. And they're still making upgrades and everything this season. AlphaTauri is riding the gutter. Yeah. They're going to have the most resources or time in are the wind you, tunnel. Are you saying that they're going to collaborate with that, having the number one? And, and the worst. The, most, the worst, but the most time. In the wind tunnel. So the best testing. amount of time for testing. Yeah. <laughs> That That's could, interesting. I mean, maybe is Christian right. Horner that smart? Maybe they're plotting this. <laughs> is, are they that smart? Are they that smart? Like, did Mercedes let Aston Martin and, you know, McLaren try out things for them because they're using the same facilities and, and kind of engine manufacturing? You know, like, this is something I've never even kind of thought about before. But, yeah. like, Red Bull could theoretically use that data and be like, okay, like, yeah, we understood how to maximize this version of the car. Yeah. But let's pair that with, okay, all this other data of how we're going to try and fix these other areas we're deficient in, mm-hmm. in the off season with our brother sister company that has the most wind, time, wind tunnel time now, the most resources so, allocated. Yeah, would they start it with the, the current Red Bull or I, I guess the end of the season Red Bull car and then be able to test that? I don't, I don't even know how it's legal. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't know how it's legal because the more we talk about it right now, the more confused it I'm getting. It's like such a power play that it's like... Yeah, like that is just like, this can't be like... Yeah. I don't know. But if it's a version, let's say it's a version of the RB19, it could be an alternate model that they maybe want to push out or maybe it's Checo's version of the car or maybe it's you know yeah. a version of the RB19 that they just want to get more data on. And I mean, like... They're probably going to keep most of the main concept of the RB19 and just do like a big upgrade package that would breach the budget limits um, for the season, but throw on something that they think is going to be really, really strong and start testing that. And if it doesn't work, then they're like, all right, well, we still have this car that works completely fine. Yeah. Um, that's just crazy. I mean, I was thinking about that when we were just, you know, talking about it right now, but yeah, I mean, talking, going back to, you know, where they can be performance wise within the rest of the grid, I think they could be challenging 
for podiums. Uh, yeah. That's like the ceiling. I don't think they're going to be overtaking Red Bull by any means because obviously they have a, an they're earlier have generation. And the better drivers. Yes, so. and the better drivers will be at Red Bull as well. But yeah, I mean, I could see them as a ceiling, yeah. you know, podiums. Yeah, um, I think they could even, I think they could definitely even be contending for the number two in the constructors. I mean, depending on yeah. how hard those drivers push the car. and I don't think they fall below five. Yeah. And they're at 10 right now. So that puts them in the top half of the grid. Yeah. I mean, that would just be absurd. It would be a crazy turn of events. You know what it I mean? Really just would. having a team like that flip. Um, I mean, it's almost reminiscent, I guess you could say, of Aston Martin, who was right around the bottom last year. Yeah. Uh, they bring in Fernando then from Alpine. They keep Lance Stroll. Woo! And then, yeah, boom. Strong start to the season. They're on podiums. They're, you know, arguably overtaking all these other, you know, Ferraris, Mercedes, all that shit. That's crazy. That's crazy. We could see it though. We yeah. could see it. Alphatari. And speaking of Alphatari, I just brought this up to you right before we started as well. There's a new documentary out uh, covering the last two seasons. So not including this season, the last two seasons prior of Alphatari's just kind of day-to-day race operations. It's what I hear is like hard knocks for Formula One. Now that's kind of, in my opinion, drive to survive. But Drive to Survive has been called out by a lot of drivers about kind of over-dramatizing things, taking players, not players, drivers, you know, quotes out and, you know, kind of, you know, trying to fit their storylines, right? Yeah. Their narratives. Make it, make it more interesting than it might be. Um, but I think, I think that the other thing that they've got going strong is you're focusing on one team. So, yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got everything at your power where drive to survive they need 10 teams to fit into one episode and they've got to tell all those stories i mean you're just focused on one here yeah no 100 percent. it's gonna be way 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 more um diverse and like what they're talking about and like the day-to-day yeah. i'm really interested to see you know and how the drivers handle the travel yeah and i bet it'll be way more in depth with like well i mean i think it'll be a good learning experience for um, I'm, I'm sure that they'll be going over data and yeah. testing, yeah. And telling us how their car works, showing us why they do certain things. The sim, yeah. So I think it'd be that that would be very interesting for getting to know how the cars work more than Drive to Survive can provide. Yeah, that 100, 100. You said it best. You know, ten episodes for ten teams. That's just not enough screen time yeah. to tell an accurate story, let alone the right story. Right. So, damn. Well, shit, man. Uh, that was like really fire. Like just talking about all that. You know what I mean? Like going over the entire first half of the season with you. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to like kind of talk about? Because um, I know that you know the news has been kind of dry since yeah. the summer break has started. Yeah, I mean, I think we did. I think we hit everything because. Yeah, we've just been kind of waiting for the next race, and do you want to do a pod on Friday that previews it? Yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. Because I was going to say, if anything, we could do, like, predictions, but I think if we do, like, a 20, 30-minute one on Friday, we could do a preview and prediction. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm down for that on Friday, yeah. And yeah, I'm looking at these notes, like you said, we pretty much covered everything, yeah. but there's one thing I do want to bring up, you know, I haven't been on the F1 website in a while. Okay. I'm gonna be honest. And 
the second article. Now, I know we just said the news has been dry, but the second article that you could click on on the Formula One website is all about Ferrari in the first half of the season. Yeah. Now, I know there's a lot of Ferrari fans out there, but God damn it, this team is literally the Dallas Cowboys of Formula One. Like, they never live up to expectations, let alone they always think they can win it every year, and now a product of that fan base, and it sucks. But it's also fun because, you know, fuck it. Like, if everyone hates us, like, that's kind of cool too. Yeah. So, you know... I just thought it was insane how there's all these other, you know, teams that have been doing better and a lot more consistent, yet Ferrari is getting this limelight that I don't see any other team really getting. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think, yeah, like you said, they just, they're expected to do so much better. And then when they fail to do so, the spotlight's just on them. Because it's like, how, and when they make, mistakes that they've made before and again carrying the name and Ferrari is just and like yeah how how are we gonna do this again and what are we doing because it doesn't really make any sense sometimes you know what if Mercedes wants to trade Charles Leclerc for Lewis Hamilton I'll do it I'll do it in a heartbeat I would do it in a heartbeat I don't and think Mercedes would do that Dude, they remember they were talking about like maybe trying to sign Charles or whatever, approaching yeah. for contracts, and then there was the rumors about Lewis and Ferrari, and I was just like, dude, like if anyone can bring back Ferrari, it'd be Lewis. It would be Lewis. It would be Lewis. I think now Lewis is content at Mercedes though, because yeah, they seem to be doing what he wants. That I don't know if we talked about this last time or not, but last last thought, I know that I've breached the question to you before, but. With George's ascension and him being still so young, when is that swap of, you know, who the dominant number one driver, not dominant, but who's the clear number one driver at Mercedes? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, um, and when I was um, looking into the upgrades and stuff, Mercedes is planning on, like I, I think I mentioned this earlier, they can't do what they want with the card within the budget cap. But they're looking to make some big upgrades over the summer break. Um, so I think maybe next season is not only their maybe comeback, I guess you could say, or I don't know, the great battles. Yeah. Great battle between Red Bull and Mercedes. Will Max get a three in a row or will Mercedes come back? But you know, I think that they could definitely let both of those drivers loose and let them decide for themselves on the track. See who's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lewis has been in first few races. See who's distinctly in the number one spot. Yeah. I mean, Lewis has been in that situation a lot through his career, whether it's been with Nico Rosberg or whether it's been with Fernando Alonso. Um, He's had like those kind of teammate battles and he's always best at his teammate, but George, like we said, you know, or at least what I said, I think he's yeah. the brightest young prospect in I, Formula I One. I agree 100%. Um, and, and obviously, Mercedes would love to keep him for the long term. Yeah. So how does how do they kind of, you know, if, yeah. he, if he does ascend to that point, you know, how they can keep Lewis happy without being able to have him let him go? Because yeah. he's going to want to be the number one guy wherever he's at. And he's going to fight for it, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But... If Mercedes kind of is like, they're, you guys are just too close to call. We don't want you, you know, battling every race at the, you know, at the negative of our team. 
Yeah. It's just weird. It's, it's going to be a weird time for Mercedes, I think. Yeah. I think George is definitely to stay at Mercedes. I mean, he is the future where Lewis is, what, coming up on 40 almost? Yeah, I think he's like in the late 30s, yeah, 38, 39. I want to guess 38. But, um, you know, it's it's going to come to that question, how many more years does he have left? I know he was having some back problems with the porpoising. Yeah. Um, in the recent last two seasons. So, you know, I don't know really when he'll retire because he's still clearly one of the best drivers on the grid. But it is it is very interesting at the place that Mercedes is in. But out of the two, there's not really the option to get rid of George Russell. No, 100%. Um, all right, well, with that, guys, um, I'll have this uploaded uh either tonight or tomorrow morning but yeah i just have to you know throw this on anchor and if you guys don't already follow us on instagram at the victory lap podcast that's our ads thank you for tuning in and for your continued support until next time we'll see you guys peace oh yeah you do peace oh we did peace oh we did it at the same time <laughs> we could do it at the same time well we did but peace no. This is, I just don't want to talk over you, man. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs>